Hello, I'm Janie Stoller, and welcome to the Relatively Healthy Podcast. So glad you're here. So if you listened to last week's episode, you heard me talk with Nicole Conlin about plastic surgery and what that's like, like how you look at your body and make choices to change it. So I thought this would be a really interesting conversation after that one, which is the idea of body acceptance. Like for me, the idea of not hating your body is a new concept. I think for a lot of women growing up in America, we're just fed so many images of what we're supposed to look like and what would make men happy. And it's so seeped into our brains that it's hard to imagine not trying to change your body, um, even if you don't know why. So I was really curious to know from someone who has these kinds of discussions and, and is really smart about these issues, about what it's like to accept your body. So I hope you like this episode with Janish Meeting. I'm with an incredible guest today, writer, comedian, actor, Jana Schmieding. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. I'm very excited. Such a fan. <laughs> um, you have your own podcast. I do. Woman of Size. Mm-hmm. And what inspired you to make that podcast? Oh, I honestly, well, two things. One is I am obsessed with having my own projects. I am the kind of woman who like if I get a bug up my butt about something I like have to execute like one of those kinds of women (laughs) I'm one of those I'm just a person who likes to be busy I like to have a lot of plate spinning and I had never done a podcast before I've done a lot of different like live performing and I've done a lot of um you know I've done a lot of things and I've just never done a podcast and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately and also I think I'm just coming to a place in my own womanhood in my own life where I'm fascinated by the stories of other people and other women. And I think especially now in our time, uh, our generation of uh, women and femme people are kind of uh, trying to, to create new narratives. I think that we're updating the narrative yeah. and it's challenging and it's a struggle and it's messy. Um, and so I'm like, I want to participate in that. Totally. I want to help to get different narratives about women's lives or just women's lives, period. Like, I don't yeah. think we hear enough from the the female perspective. I right. really don't. Right. And I think what your podcast, too, that I really love that what I listen to is it's like you talk about women's bodies and how. They are so intricately linked to all other issues of feminism and where we are now in this narrative. And I feel like that's not the depth of conversation you normally hear. Like I basically I think like with self-acceptance and Mm self-love, there's this new movement Mm -hmm. and people are telling us whether it's Dove trying to sell us soap (laughs) in the end or it's like a brand being like we put Ashley Graham in a a bikini. We're brave. Yeah. Like. This symmetrical, so fat, so brave. So, honestly, <laughs> she's such a freak, and to see her in underwear yeah. is so jarring. Like, yeah. what a brave move! Like, I love my curvy wife. Yeah. How brave am I? <laughs> honestly, like hero. Kennedy said yes. hello. So I feel like we're at a point now where self acceptance 
is being not only shoved down women's throats, yes. but it's being used to make money. Yeah, it's and totally commodified. Know, it's commodified. And I don't understand where I'm supposed to like actually find the way to love myself, how to do it where I have it in relation to my body and who I am inside and not have it just be about my body. Like, yeah, what it's so confusing. And I yeah. also think it's a lot of work that's being put back yes. onto people who oh don't God. identify as male to figure out how to be now a perfect woman who accepts and loves herself totally and, you know doesn't ever totally. have like bad days so anyway yeah that's just like a little yeah <laughs> I mean you're bringing up like exactly kind of some of the, the thinking that I've been experiencing lately when like the more women that I talk to the more I'm realizing like oh my god like first of all like we ha do so much work self-work you know like the the that that even that term I feel like is like become a thing where it's like uh, what you know, I'm doing a lot of self work and I'm like doing a lot of internal work, you know, and I'm like, fuck, we have fucking been doing work since we were like old enough to know that we were ladies, yeah. you know, like uh, immediately. Like we I think about like kind of some of these maturity gaps between um, like men and women and especially especially in like a heteronormative space. Like it's kind of it's just very interesting for me to see like um that, like you said, like the responsibility of self-work always falls on women. Like I think a lot about like what happens when you like break up with a partner. If you're a woman, you're told to read a self-help book, uh, find self-empowerment, like find love within, do go to therapy. And like what is the narrative for men when you go through a split? Immediately find somebody else yeah. who looks just like her. Re who has brown hair her, <laughs> like use a woman's a woman's body to get over a woman yeah exactly you know exactly because they're replaceable <laughs> yeah because we have limited value exactly because our value is bound to our bodies you exactly. know exactly and that's what we're being sold that's, that's what we're, we're being, being sold. sold and it wasn't that way when we were little like i don't know about your journey and how you've perceived your body and yourself but I remember that I was completely unaware that I was even female or had a body or anything. And I think a lot of females feel this way, that you don't even live in the world as girl or boy. Like people give you girl toys, but you I was allowed to play with Legos and boy toys. Like it didn't yeah. I didn't really feel that like difference. Totally. And then I did ballet and I remember at some point feeling like I was fatter than the other girls like looking yep. at our legs in the mirror and mine were wider yep. and wishing mine weren't because I just looked different and then the real time the real moment I learned I was female was my sister and I were waiting to cross the street I must have been 10 years old she was 12 and this guy in like a truck like leaned out and made like a kissy face and, and whistled yeah. at us and I remember seeing my sister just stand there and not react and like she had already experienced yeah, totally. it. This wasn't a scary, totally. jarring thing. And for me, it was like, oh, I'm a woman. This is my life now. Yeah. This is going to be forever. And I feel like from yeah. then on, it was like, not only do I think that I don't look right, but I also hate that I participate in a society where I'm trying to please that gross guy on the truck. Like, yeah. I shouldn't even care what he thinks. I know. I mean, it's so it, it, it's so fucking hard because, yes, I think like like we are not really gendered until a certain point. And when we do become gendered. Uh, as young people, I think especially the there's just such a strong separation between like uh, the male experience and the female experience, because I remember that very similarly, like the as soon as I recognized uh, that I was a woman, I felt sad. Yeah, I was sad. 
It was just sadness. It was sadness. The- <laughs> there was shame. Shame there and was- sadness and bummer. It's just a bummer, it's man. It's a bummer. And uh, just con- like I had I have diary entries from the first grade being like nobody loves me. Um I am too fat. Like I had as a first grade girl. And where do you learn that? Like where did that come from? There's just so much messaging. I mean, you just see it ultimately like the the way that we are built in America, like it the in the US specifically and especially like this uh very patriarchal, like kind of like white heteronormative um experience is what is sold to us from the jump. Mm-hmm. Right. So like mm-hmm. we come into our lives and we're like flooded with imagery and tales of you must be white and you must be thin. As a woman, like that's how you get things Mm -hmm. that is your economy like Mm -hmm. this is how you this is how you gain care this is how you gain love this is your value you are bringing it to other people's lives and if you're small you're non-threatening you're you know that that's the ideal is like truly shrink yourself make yourself small fit into Mm -hmm. truly a physical standard so that we can like contain you yep and we see you know like if you and and if you're not that and if you know that immediately, uh, you are challenged with this I- extremely like difficult paradigm that you are j- literally never going to break. You're right. never going to break out of this. Like right. this is your life. Um, and it's fucking depressing to it's think depressing. like this is <laughs> this is how I have to be and I'm never going to be it. And how much mental space is devoted to this and uh. just how much energy and time and oh missed God. opportunities and all these things that are just like we can't help but it is a huge chunk of a day it it's just is very much this. a huge chunk yeah. of a day i mean i think about like how much i have thought whether or not i've wanted to how much i think about how much over time i've thought about my body and like how it's impacted my experience in life you know like i just like have lived in fear of being fat mm-hmm. my whole life mm-hmm. and and I am fat, you know, like I am of size. So I and my I have fatness in my family and like that, like and and no shame in my family about it, you know. So there's like a lot of pressure, constant pressure. And yeah, so I think like, I don't know, it's just so interesting to think about like how much work we've all done, whether we know we have or not. As women, we have been doing a lot of work and if you think about the experience of the women of color you are doing a lot of work and you're also tasked unfortunately like or unfairly tasked with the responsibility of teaching others right you know and right. it's like fuck like we're exhausted it's exhausting because <laughs> it used to just be take care of everyone else and then it right. became take care of yourself which meant anti-aging cream and thinning yes. yourself and doing all the things yes. that were still for the male gaze anyway. yes exactly being what you're not being what you're not yeah. being what you're not is like synonymous now with taking care of yourself yeah self-care is a fucking bullshit uh, situation i know it's funny because i don't know how to define it i started noticing when i was like oh great self-care i'm putting on lipstick Who's that for? (laughs) Or like self-care. I'm learning to love myself. And I would stand in the mirror and be like, I love the way my cheeks look. But that's whatever. But that's still like whatever I look in the mirror and say I like. Why do I like that? Like, it's hard to break it down and not think of it as I like it because it fits a mold. Right. How do you actually. And you seem like someone, unless I'm wrong, that is a true person who is like on a journey of self-acceptance and loves talking about it and believes in it. 
And it's like, how do how do you like not use those sort of standards of the male gaze and the ideal when deciding mm-hmm. your of value? Yeah, I think it's uh, well, I think that it's like um, I think there's kind of two aspects of it that I have started to sort sort of see through the course of doing this podcast, like kind of this bigger project where I want to hear from other women how they're doing it and like also kind of defining like self-love for myself. First of all, aside from these two steps, I have to accept and realize and recognize and honor the fact that we live in a patriarchy. Okay. And we live within a white supremacist context. So like just knowing that I feel like I can be like, okay, I'm giving myself a bit of a break. Like I, if it's okay, if I'm not doing this right, it's okay. If it's messy, it's okay. If I blow it and I don't, it's a totally okay. If I don't don't love myself all the time, extra level of like, love yourself. Oh, I don't love myself. Now I'm mad at myself. (laughs) I'm mad at myself for being mad at myself. And I'm mad all the time. And I'm not (laughs) getting up from this chair. Yeah. Like, I think that we are also told, like, unfortunately we're told like, if you don't love yourself, you're a piece of shit. Right. You know, and it's like, well, I don't. Right. Sometimes I don't. And I honestly think there are some pieces of shit who just like truly love themselves. And I don't I just mostly males. And I look at them and I'm like, what are they doing that I'm not doing? Well, they especially men. I think they have the they have the privilege of being privileged and entitled. Yeah. You know, and that like really like, uh, you know, some of what is interesting about um, kind of one of the things that I think about with these two things, uh, uh, these two steps in my mind, or like these two understandings about self-acceptance is like, it's both internal and very personal and it's systemic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's personal work that everybody, anybody can do. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, but like everybody should be going through their own journey, you know, Mm -hmm. and you are, whether you are accepting of it or not, like nobody is stagnant. Nobody is living, even if you're living in a box and you are, you know, not, you know, if you're in a prison, like that's an experience, like you are living a life. Um, And that is an internal journey. But also something that has really helped me to frame this for myself and take the pressure off is some of this larger thinking and unveiling of like the systemic ills behind uh you know white supremacy and um and um s- you know systemic racism systemic ses- sexism and l- the ways you know i'm i just learned so much uh, i'm learning so much about the intersections of where where sizeism intersects with racism with it intersects intersects with ableism you know like all of these things that uh, you know, affect people from greater or lesser degree, the more I learn about it, the more I'm conscious of it, the easier it is for me to say, okay, I don't have to buy into it. Right. It's not like I see, I see beyond the veil, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's helped the exposure to this understanding is really helping me to like, I mean, quote unquote, like decolonize my thinking about what, self-care is see this is so different than the typical 
Oprah magazine, God bless her, but article where it would be like yeah. four ways to learn to accept yourself. Stand mm-hmm. in front of the mirror and say, say I, love I love you. you. Say, give yourself compliments. Give yourself compliments. Yeah. You know, dress up for yourself. Yeah. This is you saying, listen. Yeah. Let's look much bigger picture at the ills of society. Yeah. And let's not participate as much as we can in just like continuing that thinking in our own brain. Because there's something to be said for there's all this stuff. I can't control these huge societal forces, but I can start with me. I can say, I'm not going to do that to myself. The harms of these beliefs and these systems, I'm going to try to not put those into my own body. And that's a really different way than I've ever heard it described. I mean, it's hard because there's not a lot of people that are doing it this way. And and if they are doing it this way, they're not in the self-help, self-love space. Yeah, you're not going to sell the easiest book on it. No. Like, it's not going to be up there with Brene Brown being like no. seven ways to dare greatly to exactly. <laughs> destroy white supremacy. No, like, I know. It's so, so, yeah, it's interesting because you mentioned Oprah like it's just so in- we, we find a lot of empowerment in Oprah you yeah know? and she serves a purpose and she does in all of our lives like I think she's a oh, really amazing sure. fucking woman you know yeah. she's done so much but in terms of body positivity oh my god we could have a whole separate god. 70 <laughs> 70 episode Ken Burns style no dig in honestly like as someone who's followed her career like I will never forget and I think it's just been played a bunch the ego and the um just how crazy it was when she rolled out the fat wagon are you aware of this moment what so back in the 80s oprah starved herself yeah. because she was, I remember that yeah she was bigger and then she was like I'm gonna be tiny and yeah. America watched like, me go I'm not gonna eat past eight I she will only whole, eat grapes yes. if I have to eat yes I'm gonna be on the treadmill she constantly. was on a super restrictive yeah. diet and so she came out and she's in a black turtleneck tank top tucked into these tiny Calvin Klein jeans with a big belt and she rolls out a radio flyer wagon full of animal fat and she oh, says, this God. is the amount of fat I lost. And it's a big pile of like fat. And the audience Gross. cheers and she cheers and she pumps oh, her no. arms. Yeah. Oh, and it God. was this moment where then she's later been on interviews being like, that's one of her biggest regrets. There's a few. Yeah, like one was sure. when she had Tina Turner's haircut, like didn't really like make her feel the way she thought it would. <laughs> and or rightly she, so. And when she like sang her own theme song, there's like a couple of moments along the way she regrets, which I like also regret. But it was just like such a stupid moment. And yeah. she, looking back, of course, she gained all the weight back. Of course. Of course. Her, her life on TV is like the ultimate like microscope on her weight and all the yeah. things women experience. She was just dealing with it on TV. Totally. But I feel like the celebratory moment was just like the ultimate everything going wrong. Like none of this is right. And then I was really upset because she I'd never like whatever her weight is. Like I loved Oprah. But when she was doing the Weight Watchers ads. I was a little I, disappointed because I, I felt like at some point she was trying to sell us the idea that you should just like follow your body intuitive eating and then love yourself. And then sure. it was Weight Watchers. And now it's like she's selling a line of diet soup. And I Dude, just. Dude, I know. I to me, I'm like, Oprah, I think she's just become this, this, at least for, for me, she's she is like kind of like the pinnacle like we can see how um how kind of capitalism capitalistic systems have have commodified women's self-love through her life like she is just like the the uh the example of it she is the statue of what we have all been experiencing and 
it's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, I, I think I wish that she would abandon it. But honestly, it's like this is her journey. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You know, like she's. And I take it as part of a bigger. It is. We have to look at it. It's like, just like yeah. we can't hate the player. We got to hate the game. Exactly. That's another part of this that I'm like really, really trying to, you know, f- like get into the mode of is like, let's just look at the system of this instead of vilifying because the women's experience. We also do that. I think our society in terms of weight specifically, we get on board with women who lose a bunch of weight. We yeah. make fun we of them that. when they gain it oh, back. Yeah. It's yeah. like this whole cycle. Of, and we also shame women for getting plastic surgery. We yeah. shame women for getting too skinny. Honestly, we shame women for having choice. If we look Damn, at it like that, Gina. we are shaming women for having opinions and choice and having autonomy over our bodies. Ooh. And that's the problem. That's right. Like, that is what the man. That is what patriarchy would like us to do. Yeah, is to have no choice. Yeah, and to live. You know, to respond to those criticisms. Damn. You know, that's so true. And also to like pit us against each other because when I see someone, like this is such an outdated example. I'm not cool at all. But like Heidi Montag on the mm-hmm. cover of Us mm-hmm. Weekly, like she got so many plastic surgeries. I can look at her and be like, well, I. Don't love my body, but I don't look like that. Right. I'm not that vain. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like totally vain. Or yeah. a woman, you know, <laughs> totally. like I'm, I'm the vainest. Or like a woman like losing a bunch of weight and gaining it and being like, oh, yeah. I feel so much better about myself because I haven't had that up and down in pounds on a body. Like, yeah. It's just about the us pitting. Yeah. Comparing pit ourselves other. to other people's lives. Yeah. And we do, when we do that, we are really not taking into consideration the whole picture of each other's lives, which is mm-hmm. access to things, you know, like just a trauma and discrimination that different people experience. You know, we're not really looking at all of these intersections. Right. You know, when I talk like to certain women, uh, you know, everybody has a different body and everybody has size, a, a, a size. Mm-hmm. And that size is uh, it arrives from so many different factors. And you never know the factors in somebody's life, you know, and I like I use this example a lot, but like I worked for 10 years. I was a teacher in the South Bronx and it was in a low income neighborhood in the poorest congressional district in the country and all students of color. I've never taught a white student in my entire teaching career. And um, while all of my students, all of my students suffered from size-based discrimination and their families suffered from size-based discrimination at the same time access to good health care and and um like quality food was completely gone right so not only are you not given the resources and the access uh to things that uh other american people of money or uh of not of color or of whiteness have access to it's like a privilege in our country to to be to have access to healthy things right you know what i mean right and then we blame you right then we come back around and when you don't look like a white person who is thin you're a piece of shit exactly you know so you're getting it from two sides right like how do we it's you're you're set up to fail yes (laughs) yeah it's crazy and then also like there's so much with that about people shaming people for what they view as health when they don't know people's health. Oh my like, God. You mean you're talking about things like the fitting the ideal, but also just 
people pretend that they care about other people's health when really it's like you're unsightly, you know, yeah. and that kind of thing. Like oh, yeah. Lindy West writes about that. Like, yes. you don't know a person's health. You don't know no. anything about them when no. you just look at them. You're just making a bunch of snap judgments. Exactly. I hate it when people are like, yeah, but you're I mean, it's that's like the trolls MO, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the fat troll or like the they call it um, concern trolling where it's like <laughs> like a plus size model. If you go into like a plus size model, like an Instagram account and you read through her like comments, a lot of times you'll see these trolls these concerned trolls are like you shouldn't be highlighting fat people like you shouldn't be making light of this you're probably super unhealthy you know and it's like you're healthy enough to be commenting on someone's instagram with something hateful so like like you have cancer of the soul (gasps) bitch oh my god trademark that cancer of the soul you have cancer of the soul bitch that could be your catchphrase (laughs) that (laughs) is so good (laughs) i love it on a t-shirt slash bumper sticker that's so good cancer of the soul Um, soul. bitch bitch um, yeah, I, th- I just think it's so there's obviously so many hidden illnesses and hidden like disabilities. Yeah. You know, like we're all suffering from so many different things and also thriving from so many different things. Totally. Like, we are all living within the intersection of both privilege and oppression. Yes. Um, so- and I just think, too, it's like weird where men participate in it, but don't have to participate in the conversation. And I'm generalizing, like, I know I'm using sure, very sure. binary gender terms. I love generalizing about I men. love to generalize about men. <laughs> my favorite it's like, thing we're do. talking on a Sunday afternoon, like, what else is there to do? <laughs> um, but uh, I feel like we are having these conversations and negotiating all the aspects of it, but, like, there's no responsibility on the way they participate in it or the comments they make or the things that they believe that we need to deconstruct. And, like, I just think a lot about how we can all go on these, you know, journeys of self-acceptance and do this work and all these things we're right. talking about. But like, let's say someone's single and putting their self themselves on a dating app. That's mm-hmm. really, really a tricky situation yeah. for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And you're putting yourself out into the system to play the game that you don't want to play. Like yeah. all of a sudden I've gone from being like, well, I accept myself and I love myself to now I have to get these fuckheads to like the way I look at first glance you know I mean you're like touching on something like lately um, for the last like year or so I've really I've taken myself off of dating apps Mm -hmm. and I've made a decision to be single and it's one way that like I think in terms of my own self-care and my own self-acceptance like creating boundaries in my life has been a huge process a part of that process because I realized that like when it comes to romance, I never I've never gotten what I wanted. I've never really had like reciprocation in the same way that I've given. And so part of my quote unquote self-care is literally cutting men out of my life romantically and making it an active choice. Yeah. And being like. I'm just not going to participate in this shit. I do that I after feel the lot, election. I feel a lot better. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I was I, like, I don't, I can't look at these people. <laughs> I know. I, I'm still dealing with it because I'm really mad. I'm really mad. Yeah. I'm still, I'm very resentful that, um, uh, that, that um, more men are not be, wanting to be a part of the conversation. Yes, I agree. And there's also something really strange where I feel like the only ones who want to are kind of weird. Like, Sometimes Ugh, on Facebook, I know, like kind of right, fucking wormy. They're, they're a little wormy or they're a little bit like 
too, too into, into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird balance. It's a balance, but it's all about the intention. Because I can, yes. you can, we, we're smart people. We can tell if it's like, you just want to get in pants. Like you want to yes. be like, I'm an ally and I believe women and I think they're great and whatever they want is perfect. And you're like, okay, tone it down yeah. a notch. <laughs> I mean, it's so interesting. Like when I, since I've started, I this is going to, I have a hard time talking about it because I, I feel like a little bit triggered by it. But like, um, since I started the podcast, it's called Woman of Size, mm-hmm. you know, and it has the word woman in the title. And a lot of the men that I have done comedy with have not responded to mm. it, have not followed it, haven't said anything to me about it. People who otherwise in my comedy circles are like, yeah, bitch, like I love your, you know, like we collaborate. I highlight your shit. I, hi-, you know, it's very reciprocal. But as soon as I created like a a, a content that has centered women's experiences it's like interesting whereas i feel like what a lovely place to get insight and just listen just listen that is so all people are telling you to do yeah and all you have to do is click on it and listen exactly also as someone who's very curious myself i try to be curious i'm probably i don't mean to sound like i'm a curious soul like i'm i like (laughs) Love learning about different people's experiences. Wow, she's such, so curious. She's so curious. <laughs> um, tone it down on the curiosity, George, because we don't have yellow hats here. Um, she's like, what an arrogant bitch. Comparing so curious like that. Honestly, it's fake. Honestly, like her curiosity. She's not actually that curious. Like, who can we? She's like asking questions and she like wrote her questions down. Like who does that? That's so reaching. Um, anyway, I am no curiosity. I'm totally chill. Cool girl. Cool girl. Um, I know everything. I know everything. Um, I'm not on a journey, but I feel like when um, there's an opportunity to listen to two people talking who have a different experience than my own, I'm like, great. Fascinated. I want to hear that. Let's yeah. hear what they're talking about. Fascinated. Yeah. I don't need to be in the conversation. So I just feel like that's sad. That's a missed opportunity for them to understand more about. And it, again, yeah. just reinforces this feeling that I'm like, what's wrong with you? Yes. What the fuck is the, so, you're so, you're so good. Yeah. You're good on this that you can just like walk away and be like, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm good. I don't need that. Yeah. Like this conversation <laughs> that's happening in our entire society isn't about me. I know. <laughs> I know. It's only about you. I really do hope. That men listen to this conversation. I'm I just going to like specifically call them out by name. Every man I know to listen. I really would love to hear like because the, the justification I hear for not participating in the conversations is one like a little bit. They don't want to come off like that guy we were making fun of. Yep. They don't want to come off like, sure. yeah, I totally am an ally, but like yeah, the yeah, fake yeah. kind. And then two, like, oh, it's not, you know, not my place or something like that. Yeah, it's not my place or yeah, that's not about me. It's not about me. But I do think like. It is so it's it's so important because I also think this stuff that we're talking about operates in such subtle ways that I don't think most people realize they're participating in it. And I think like they have I know that men have their own set of body image standards. Absolutely. And And they're suffering from toxic masculinity as much as we are. Totally. Like there's a whole other set of issues to be discussed. And that conversation needs to happen, too. But I feel like they're probably more related than we would, you know, when we've had the chance to talk about. Like, I feel like people can relate to what we're talking about, even if they don't identify. I mean, one of the um, I will shout out somebody. One of the like. So so two things. First of all, one of my very my closest friends literally told me via text 
when I asked him if he was listening to the podcast, said, uh, although it's not the content that I can engage with, literally said can, that can. I can engage with, um, I think it's great when anybody uses their voice or some fucking bullshit. Ew. And I was like, okay, I get it. But like, that's like the over... So like, to me, I'm like, so you feel like you can't? Bitch, I fucking watched so many male-centered... I oh All my I've ever God. watched is males storytelling. <laughs> like, that's it. I'm good on male stories. Can we tone it down on the male stories for <laughs> yeah. a minute? Like, I'm I good. I love me some Game of Thrones, but I always make this joke. Like, I literally watched The Man Show when I right. was in high school. I was a big Adam Carolla fan. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I listened to fucking Love Line too. with two men talking two men. about sexuality. My yes. entire high school was yes. that. Yeah. Every morning. Yeah. So I just think it's funny, too, that, like, that wasn't like literally it was called the man show, but love line was just like about sex and love. But if it's a woman talking, then it's a woman's point of view. I had one guy oh say to me when I was doing comedy, I was talking about like how I didn't know what I was going to do. There was some choice I was trying to make. And he's like, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do your whole woman thing. It's exactly. going to be awesome. Oh my God. And I was like, uh, I know. It's, what? it's so fucking sad. Because I don't want to. I know. <laughs> I want to be one of you. As soon as you say the word woman, it's because it's not normalized. Yeah. It's like the male narrative is normalized. So because women's narratives aren't normalized, we th- people assume that a second it's about women, it's going to be Oprah and periods and self-empowerment because that's the narrative, again, that we have all been sold and told is right. that women... Are and lame. it wouldn't hurt for some people to hear those things. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Like, shit, we grew up on it and we are better for it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. in some way, exactly. even if we're able to deconstruct it, whatever. Yeah. The second thing I will say is there is a person who has been following my podcast who is a man. And then I invited him to be on the Ooh, on the show. And I interviewed him. His name is Sebastian Canelli. Oh, I love him. And he is a man of size. He's also one of the nicest, funniest people yeah. I've ever met. Totally. How was that conversation? So interesting. Because I'd be curious. He's a man of size. I'd be curious how his so experience interesting. would you know, be different or similar. Like, Very similar. Yeah. Interesting. Very similar. And that's why he's like, I. that's why I listen to your podcast. Like You're talking about things that I struggle with as well that's as a awesome. man of size. Like, obviously, the experience is different. You know, like men, uh, men, white men uh, of size aren't discriminated against uh, in the same ways. But the 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 manifestation of uh, uh, size based discrimination in a man's life, it's just a little bit different, hmm. you know. And when I talked to him, it was just like fascinating to hear from his perspective, <laughs> you know, like just ways that he's dealt with um, his size and how he has garnered his how his own journey towards self-love mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. been really hard because if you can imagine like whenever we're going through something where we're like hey ladies like let's create a community around this and we're so good at creating community we're so used to it of other women being like let's I'm having this sitch I need some help I need like your feedback whatever Men aren't like that. They're for not each other. Allowed no. to say those vulnerable things to no. each other and like ask he for help. He would never be interviewed by another man about his size. I know. I can't imagine that. No, or it you would can't. be like it would be with ironic detachment. Exactly. Like your podcast for men would be like, Oh yeah, like we're men of size, we drink beer. <laughs> like totally. Be like, <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I I I asked him. I asked him, like, well, what's it like right now with, like, Me Too? You know, all of this sexual Mm -hmm. harassment stuff. Like, can you imagine 
sitting around with your bros and being like, yo, bro, Consent. <laughs> what about this fucking Harvey Weinstein, bro? Man, you know, like- I feel complicit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard for them totally. to truly authentically get in touch with that part of themselves yeah, and because they haven't been told to, they haven't been taught to, whereas we have been taught to overdo it. That's all we do. I know. We so, really love to spin. We do. <laughs> we go crazy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> do we spin? <laughs> we go deep. We go deep. We go so deep that we don't like to keep it light. I know. It's so hard to have small talk as women. That's the thing. I have noticed myself, like, I don't really like going to parties, and then I'll go, and the second that I'm having a conversation about heartache with someone, I'm like, this is a party. <laughs> yes. I know your pain. I feel it. I see it. I have yeah. that little girl inside. Like, let's get to know yeah. her, you know? It's it's like that feeling of shared experience that I feel like women are truly thirsty for. We're like <laughs> constantly looking around at like, you've had a period too. Oh my God. <laughs> I just have never talked about it with anybody Blood else. Comes out. <laughs> it's like me at a party, like dancing, being like, I'm so vulnerable right now. <laughs> <I know. laughs> But then I also think the female role models we have of self-acceptance, self-love, all these people are like a Beyonce who I always go to as someone I've recently realized embodies like no feelings truly over it all, doesn't get touched by the normal things. If someone wrongs her, she's, you know, she hits a fire hydrant, looks amazing and then makes a million dollars off it. And I think like we're either these like very like fragile like right. emotional people or but we look at people like that as the as strength so it's like this right. weird dichotomy there i feel like women who live in the middle and that's all of us yeah are struggling sometimes to know how to like love ourselves and we don't fit that kind of image either yep like yeah. i just i don't know it's so hard i feel like you really touched on something that's mind blowing because i do think all of the cosmetic and the the small detail ideas of how to love yourself and improve your self-esteem are all there and like maybe they work for people maybe they do if you do it enough yeah you'll sure. you know whatever but i do think it's like when you start to zoom out and zoom out and zoom out and stop participating in certain things when you realize that they're negative for you that's when true self-acceptance can happen i think so i think it's really just a matter of like really i mean I know we are already doing so much work as people and as women, but like the more we can start to intellectualize the forces at play and read about them and learn about them and be like, oh, oh, and then that will just it will vary. You don't even have to teach yourself how to stop talking, like having negative self-talk with yourself and others. But, you know, as soon as those like those intellectual changes happen we start to treat each other differently and we start to treat ourselves differently. We Way just more are, empathy and yeah, compassion. And compassion. you see like, oh, she's participating in this system that's so painful and yeah. so hard. I'm going to give her benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. I'm going to be generous with like what I assume about her and not try to play into, you know, the system. Yeah. Um, and I even yeah. have friends in my life who, you know, I've heard compliment each other with thinness like oh you look so thin oh my god I hate that so much yeah it's really unhealthy it's really bad but like as soon as my podcast came out and people that I love and know have started listening to it like again it's just literally exposure to a different narrative 
that is helping us all be like, okay, it's actually okay to not give a fuck about our weight. Right. It's actually totally great. Right. And the less we can give a fuck about it, the healthier we're all going to be. Our community will thrive if we can just take beauty out of the value equation for ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And to like help. And then I do. I think there are some people because we were raised in that. When you say that, it is jarring because we do equate value with beauty so close together that if you were to say, well, what makes you really valuable? I think a lot of people would draw a blank. And I don't say that. that I, I say that with also I feel that way sometimes yeah. where it's like, well, if I'm not standing in front of the mirror looking at myself, like what is my value? It's really hard to put a label on it. It's really hard to like know what that is because it is the the way we've interacted with our value being judged our whole life. So like, I don't know. I, I just feel like if I could go back and like, change things in my life. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I would have loved to have teachers and parents who were so about the intrinsic value and told me about these systems and not to play into them. Totally. And just like said, you can make all your own choices, but like these are the things down the road that really matter and not to play into it. Because I just feel like I played into it. Oh, yeah. We Uh. all have. But again, it's that same thing where it's like, uh, it doesn't matter when it happens in your life when you're like, oh, my God. I've played into it. I'm playing the game. Now I now that I know, like awareness is the first step. And yeah. now I can be like, okay, let me do my reading. Let me do my research. Let me like detach myself from this game because I can see how it's fucking. But it's also giving yourself a break and being like, it's okay. Because yeah. that's how the game is set up. Right. That's how it has been designed for us. Like we have to recognize like we didn't design this shit. It was created like this. Yeah. We can redesign it, but we need to be thoughtful about the redesign. And our redesign also needs to be inclusive. And it needs to put center the voices of the people, the original people, the people who struggle with bodies the most. People with disability, people of color whose body, whose truly their bodies and lives have little value in our society. These are the people who must be at the center of the conversation Mm -hmm. in order to move forward. Otherwise, we are repeating the same problem over and over again totally totally yes that makes so much sense wow I feel like you know my mind is way open in a way that normally would terrify me but I feel (laughs) like excited about it yeah I mean I think it's just it's okay it's okay to be afraid of this kind of thinking because it challenges a paradigm Mm mm-hmm it's challenging where the way we live yeah. and think. And everything we believe. And you can, and now we, you know, if you think about it, you think about, like, I think about the generation before me and before that and the women who have been challenged with this same paradigm and haven't had the space or the capacity or the political, perhaps, freedom to be able to really challenge it. And it also helps to think about women who did challenge it and how revolutionary that is. Mm -hmm. It's also why they call it radical self-love. Because if you think about Mm -hmm. the how radical radical it is to truly love yourself as a participant in a greater thing that is telling you to fucking shut up and hate it. Right. Absolutely. It's Wow, it's like fucking mind blowing. I agree. And it's also a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, I'm still like figuring it out. And it, right. it's my it's gonna take years and years and years. Yeah. And it's like being gentle with yourself yeah. and understanding and all that. And I think in a bigger sense too, there will be, I hope, 
some sort of pushback against the commodification of the body positivity movement. Yeah. I do hope at some point things shift even more. There's more inclusion and there's less still holding the standard within totally. the non-standard. Like, yeah. I just hope that, you know, we can see more women of various sizes, abilities, like all types of true the spectrum of how amazing women can be on TV and the media, like getting their voices heard. Absolutely. Getting their narratives told. Yeah, absolutely. And just then it's not just the image of the outdated model of Heidi Montag that for some reason is super available to me. (laughs) And I'm a fan and I really like her music. So I... She has a song, Fashion. Lady Gaga wrote it. It's phenomenal. So, Listen. like, I, I support her choices. Absolutely. Most we have of to, all. That is, like, exactly. We have to support <laughs> all of each other's choices. Yes. We have to just support the idea of choice. Yes. And that is yep. why the conclusion is that we support Heidi Montag. Team Heidi. <laughs> Team Heidi. Team Heidi. Jenna, thank you so much for being Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's just been amazing. Where can people find you if they want and need more? Um, you know, I'm encouraging everyone to check out Woman of Size, the podcast. It's on it's iTunes amazing. podcast and on all of your podcast apps. You can find it. Um, I also have a website, womanofsize.com. I'm trying to create like a bit of a platform for it. Yeah. Um, like ha- with my own writing and the writing of others, uh, you can find Woman of Size on Facebook. On Instagram, it's woman of or Instagram and Twitter, it's woman of size pod. And I have a uh, a live show, a live comedy show called Woman of Size Live every two months. The next one is on April 7th That's at 8 amazing. p.m. at the Lyric Hyperion. Great. Um, and it's just like highlighting the work of uh, women in comedy, women of color in Los Angeles and like talking about sizeism and making fun of it. I love it. It's so good. (laughs) Thank you for being here. This has just been a joy. Thanks, Janie. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Relatively Healthy. If you haven't yet, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star review. We would love it. And you can also connect with us on Twitter. We're at 844 Stolar X, that's S-T-O-L-A-R-X. That's also our actual numerical hotline you can call. If you have questions or feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook too. Um, and a uh, little sneak peek next week, y'all. We're talking grief. Yeah, it's happening. I know it's the piece de resistance for all of you, uh, particularly me. So I hope you tune in, keep listening, and let us know what you think. Thanks. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.